Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Galatians. We invite you to join us at One Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. coming out of the dark Bible study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus, tonight. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, opening our eyes, giving us your Holy Spirit as our teacher, and helping them do for us what we can never do for ourselves. Amen? We're eternally grateful that heaven is our home. I'd like to thank all the faithful people that serve in the ministry to keep it going, one body many parts. And if you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this awesome opportunity again, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you, Lord, and learn more of what you'd have us do down here, Lord, as we change our ways to your ways, Lord. Help us always to Live in the Spirit, Lord, and help us as we try to crucify our flesh every day, Lord, to put you first in our lives, Lord. As we all know, we struggle with sin, Lord. It's in our bodies, Lord. Help us to overcome it, Lord, by saying no to it and saying yes to you, Lord, our Savior. We're just so grateful for what you did for us on the cross, Lord, giving us a permanent home in heaven, Lord, for all who believe in you. I pray for our great nation, Lord, that you keep your healing hand over it, Lord, for the sake of your believers, so we can bring others into the kingdom, Lord. And I pray for the rest of the world that goes through turmoil and suffering, Lord, that you touch the leaders' hearts, Lord, to forgive, Lord, and have peace, Lord, and restore peace to our world, Lord. Lord Jesus, come back soon, Lord, to straighten this all out, Lord. We're just waiting for you, Lord, as we prepare ourselves for your coming again, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to get started.
I love that song. It is well with my soul, right? Even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. Amen? How's everybody doing tonight, all right? Four in a row as we get spiritually stronger each and every day, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? I'm just so glad that I'm here. I'm glad I'm with my brothers and sisters again. Like I said, if I can open the door seven days, I would. I'd be here seven days a week. I need it. Just a reprieve from going out there, you know. It just gets heavy. All right, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight as we continue our study in the book of Galatians. The Holy Spirit has taken over, so please be attentive to that. Hey, said God said everything he made was good. And the coffee's definitely good right now. <laughs> All right. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Go to verse 2. <laughs> okay. Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, who's going to become a young pastor. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So right down in there, he says, patiently. We all need correction, right? He says, patiently correct. We all need to get rebuked every so often because we're a bunch of mules. And encourage your people with good teaching. And that's what we do here. We teach the good, the word of God is always good. For a time is coming, and I believe that window is definitely closing, as you see that the, the pews are not full right now, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. You know, you're not going to get that here. Sometimes when I preach, it goes right between your eyes, but that's what God tells me to preach because he loves everybody. You go to the other places, they, just, they don't even talk about sin. And sin is the problem, so if we don't talk about that, how can we ever get a solution? Okay, they will reject the truth and chase after myths, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Apostle Paul, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. There's something for every believer to understand right now. I have fought the good fight. We all have to finish the race. Okay, so just hang in there. I have finished the race. And most of all, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. And I remain faithful. And now, the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. 
And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to him coming back. You know, we got the truth. We, we're trying to do the right thing, live the right way. When he comes back, I'm, I'm, thank you, Jesus. Come back, you know. But he wants us to bring others into the kingdom, so we still have some work to do, obviously. Already you came back already. So we just have to patiently wait. Now, I got one for us that came to my mind tonight. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 30. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Then he also said, The Lord will judge his own people. Deuteronomy 32, 36. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ, or when you were first enlightened. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? Remember when you first found Jesus, how nothing could get in your way, everything was good. You just found the right truth, and like nothing could get in your way. You didn't care if you suffered, it didn't matter. That's what he's saying here. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail, and when all, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So don't, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Here it is right here. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. How about a big amen for that? All of us need patient endurance because as we grow in the Lord and the journey gets, as we get along in the journey, it starts to get weary. And we don't feel that joy that we first felt, that pink cloud when we first found Jesus. So he's telling us patient endurance so you can continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. You see? So we have to hang in there so we can receive all that. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. Or my righteous ones will live by their faithfulness. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. So, are people going to turn away? It said, we should have said it in Timothy. See how this lines up? And this said in 2 Timothy that people are going to turn away. And it just, it just locked in what I'm saying right here. Hey, I'll take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. And he's quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. Big amen there, right? We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Amen. When they all got into the ark, there was only eight people that got in there. Just imagine how few that are really going to hang in there till the end before Jesus comes back. A lot of people are going to turn away from the faith, and you see it happening now. They're giving up. They're saying, Jesus isn't coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. This is too much. 
or else these pews should all be full right now. Amen? But they're not. For There's a reason for that. And God said it was going to happen. Amen? All right, let's go to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to finish chapter 2. Break into chapter 3. I'm going to touch on it, summarize a little bit as we, before we get started. The book of Galatians is a call for freedom from the law, okay? Paul writes to the church in Galatia in distress as they have quickly abandoned the gospel they originally received. Judaizers had infiltrated the brethren, preaching circumcision and trying to put them back under the yoke of the law. Paul starts out by telling them that this is an entirely different gospel. He writes to the church to remind them of grace and that the only means to be justified is by faith in Jesus and not by the law. That's all right. I got grace for you tonight, Paul. Yeah, okay. All right. In the first chapter, Galatians 1 is a sharp rebuke to the church of Galatia for so quickly deserting the gospel they heard Paul preach and had readily accepted. Confusion set in, so Paul reminds the church to stay true to the gospel he received by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. The man who formerly persecuted the church now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. That's why it's really important when you, when you find a ministry that's teaching truth that you don't start listening to all different things because they lead you astray. And it's very important. If It's all right to listen to things, but it has to be booted in the Word of God and they have to be teaching truth. Amen? There's a lot of deception out there. And it can confuse you because these people were going back to legalism because they were following a set of rules. And we said, no, we just get breaking free of legalism. The law is no longer in effect. And there's Christians out there that want to practice the law. Like what you wear means everything. What you watch on TV, what you listen to on the radio, how you present yourself. Everything's based on that and not a changed heart. Amen? We see that happen even in this, right? I'll get people that watch and say, oh, he's wearing shorts or whatever. He's, you know, he must be from the devil because he's got shorts on, you know. But they're not listening to what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? They're looking at, judging by appearance instead of what's coming out of my mouth. That's how, diff that's how bad religion can get with people. They won't even come to hear the truth. Okay, in Galatians 2, he's defending justification by faith. Galatians 2 shows how the apostles had accepted Paul's gospel message, concluding he had been sent by God to preach to the Gentiles. Okay? Paul opposes Peter and the brethren who had distanced himself from the Gentiles and fell back into Jewish customs and laws. He cites that no one will be justified by observing the law and concludes that if righteousness could be obtained by the law, Christ died for nothing. Now as we break into chapter 3, justified by faith or law, Galatians 3 starts with a reminder that the Spirit is received by faith, not by observing the law. Okay? Paul goes on to explain that everyone trying to live by the law is under a curse. So you understand, if we go back to that system, we're under God's curse. So you know what? I'm going to listen to what the Bible says, and I'm going to live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen? And I'm going to help others live by that freedom too. That's why there's people coming into the church now that came out of places that were really stringent on legalism. They get set free, and they love it. Because the truth is going out there. 
Christ became the curse for us, so the same blessing given to Abraham may be given to all who believe. He emphasizes that the true purpose of the law was to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith, showing that if we belong to Christ, then we are heirs according to the promise given to Abraham. Okay, is everybody in chapter 2 now? Okay, does anybody remember where we left off? <laughs> yeah, no, we left off in verse 21. But we're going to back up a little bit. Talking about the law. Let's go to verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. So if somebody's trying to teach us to go back to the law again, that's a sin to go back to the law again. And anybody who would follow that would be under God's curse. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to get under God's curse. And read the Old Testament, what he did, right? Look at verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. Why did the law condemn us? Because we can't keep it. That's why it condemned us. Every time we try to do everything right, we find ourselves doing wrong. So we feel a heap of guilt because of it. The law makes us feel guilty. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. You see, when you start trying to live by the law, you can actually live for God now. Because you live under the freedom. Look, look at verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God or trusting in the Word of God. That's what it means. We're trusting what the words of God are telling us, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, now let me just expand on that a little bit because this is so important to really grasp this. How have our old selves been crucified with Christ? Legally, okay, God looks at us as if we had died with Christ. Because our sins died with him, we are no longer condemned. Like it tells us in Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15, we just studied that book. Relationally, we have become one with Christ, and his experiences are ours. Our Christian life began when in unity with him we died to our old life like it tells us in Romans 6. In our daily life, we must regularly crucify sinful desires that keep us from following Christ. Big amen there, right? Every day we've got to crucify them. This too is a kind of dying with him like it tells us in Luke, 20, Luke 9.23. And yet, the focus of Christianity is not on dying but on living. <laughs> Because we have been crucified with Christ, we have also been raised with him. Legally, we have been reconciled with God, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, and are free to grow into Christ's likeness in Romans 8, 29. And in our daily life, we have Christ's resurrection power as we continue to fight sin, Ephesians 1, 19, 20. We all have resurrection power. Big amen there, right? We just did the message on resurrection. And we're going to continue that Sunday, by the way. We are no longer alone. Okay? For Christ lives in us. He is our powerful living and our hope for the future, like it tells us in Colossians 1.27. Now, in verse 21, this is where we left off last week. 
I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Jesus Christ to die. If we can get right with God by following set of rules, then why did Jesus have to die for our sins? So that just doesn't make any sense. He didn't have to die if we always follow the law. So we couldn't follow it, so he became the law for us and died to it for us, so we could have the new covenant, which is what? The, the law of love and grace and peace. Thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus. When you understand that, that you don't have to follow these rules of do's and don'ts to get to heaven anymore, you can breathe and relax instead of beating yourself up all the time when we fail. Can anybody honestly say they didn't fail today? Was everybody patient and kind and loving to everybody? Even to themselves, right? We're not, we were harsh on ourselves. Thank God. Now, in verse 21, believers today may still be in danger of acting as if there was no need for Christ to die. Now how? By replacing Jewish legalism with their own brand of Christian legalism, okay? They are giving people extra laws to obey. By believing they can earn God's favor by what they do, they are not trusting completely in Christ's work on the cross. By struggling to appropriate God's power to change them, sanctification, they are not resting in God's power to save them, justification. If we could be saved by being good, then Christ did not have to die, but the cross is the only way to salvation. Big amen there, right? Jesus didn't need to die if we could follow the do's and don'ts of the law. All right, let's break into Galatians 3. Is everybody with me so far? Four days in a row. I love it. I'm going to put a, a room up there. Let's sleep in here. <laughs> I'm going to keep drinking my coffee though because I'm tired. Paul said when he was preaching, sleepless nights, he went hungry, shipwrecked for four days, all on the water. Listen, if you really want to be a soldier for Christ, we're going to have to suffer. And if you don't want to suffer, then you're in the wrong place. Because this place is full of soldiers. Amen? That's why soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life because they can't please the master who enlisted them. That's why we don't get involved with all that other nonsense. We stay focused on what it is. Bringing people to Jesus. When you stay focused on that, you understand that everything, all the side issues pale in comparison to what our mission really is. Okay. Verse 1. The law and faith in Christ. Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Okay, in verse 1, the Galatian believers have became fascinated by the false teacher's arguments, almost as though an evil spell had been cast on them. They started getting possessed by the false teaching. Magic was common in Paul's day. In Acts 8, 9 to 11 and 13, magicians used to use both optical illusion and Satan's power to perform miracles, and people were drawn into the magician's mysterious rites without recognizing their dangerous source. Just like we did. Remember back before we found Jesus? We started getting into that mysticism, 
right? Going to Salem and Ouija boards and all that stuff and getting fascinated by astrology and horoscopes and all that stuff. We were being led astray. We were getting led into a dark place. And we didn't understand the power. And guess what? Those spirits that we unlocked are still following us today. If you know it as well as I do, sometimes you wonder, what the heck? I feel like something's following me. You sense it. I know my cats do. My cats are always looking around at things. I said, what are they looking at? There's got to be something there, you know? They see things that we can't. And there's other people that can see things that we can't. Thank God that they can help us at times when they can. That's a gift, by the way. Because there still are people that can see into that realm. Christians, too. Verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the laws of Moses? No. Of course not. You received the Spirit. Why? Because you believed the message. You heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? This is, we all do this now. Listen how relevant this is. How, look, how foolish can you be? After starting your new life in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? How many of us still try to do this by our own effort? Time and time again, we try to perform and do things that only God can do. Can I get an amen for this? Now, this was written over 2,000 years ago and hasn't changed. After we become perfect in the spirit, why are we trying to become perfect in the flesh afterwards? Trying to be good. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do this. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm giving myself to you today. You navigate. You do it. And I can't do it. Just admit to him. All right. Now listen. In, in verse 2, the believers in Galatia, some of whom may have been in Jerusalem at Pentecost and received the Holy Spirit there, knew that they hadn't received God's Spirit by obeying the Jewish laws, okay? Paul stressed that just as they began their Christian lives in the power of the Spirit, so they would grow by the Spirit's power. Just like us. We grow by the power of the Spirit. And that's why it takes so long. Because we fight against that. We try to grow in the flesh. The Galatians had taken a step backward when they had decided to insist on keeping the Jewish laws. We must realize that we grow spiritually because of God's work in us by His Spirit, not by following special rules. How about a big amen for that? Now it says in verse 4, Have you experienced or have you suffered so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. It's just like, how did we end up here? We had faith and we believed in Jesus that he would get us here one day. Nothing in our effort got us here. Just believing that he would get us here someday. And having faith in that got us here. Nothing that we did to get here. God did it. Amen. He opened the door for this for us. That's the same thing. <laughs> I ask you again. Verse 5. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Okay, in verse 5. The Galatians knew that they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed not when they obeyed the law. 
People still feel insecure in their faith because faith alone seems too easy. That's what it is. We think it's too easy to get to heaven just by believing. We think it's too easy to just give God control of our life. We think there's something we still have to do. Can I get an amen for this? People still try to get closer to God by following rules. You know it as well as I do. Oh, I had a bad day. I'm going to go to the church and do something good for the church. Maybe God will be happy with me after that. And we try to do penance and make up for what we do. You can't make up for it. You can't make up. It's already, what, everything we need has already been done. You can't get any closer to God. We still try to do it, though. We try to perform because the world is based on performance, right? You go to work, it's based on performance, right? You do good, you get a raise. You do bad, you get a pink slip, right? It doesn't work like that in Christianity. God sees us as good because we believe in his son, not because we have to perform. The performance we do afterward is the fruit of our salvation. And when you do it with the fruit of your salvation, it brings you joy, not grief and stress. You do it because you want to do it, because you love what the Lord did for you, not because you have to do it. See, when you do it because you have to do it, you get miserable and stressed out. But when you do it because you love the Lord, because it's the right thing to do, you have joy in doing it. You want to do it. I want to be here. I don't have to be here. I want to be here. That's the difference. That's why he says that'll never get you to God. Okay? People still try to get closer to God by following rules. While certain disciplines, Bible study, prayer, and service may help us grow, they must not take the place of the Holy Spirit in us or become ends in themselves. By asking these questions, Paul hoped to get the Galatians to focus again on Christ as the foundation for their faith. That's what I try to do. Get focused back on Jesus. Forget it. Just look to him because he's the only one. Either look at the other side, both to the other, you're going to sink. You're not going to be able to do this. You're going to get frustrated and walk away. The Holy Spirit gives Christians great power to live for God. Some Christians want more than this. Here it is. We always want more, right? Want more than this. They want to live in a state of perpetual excitement. This is what, this is, let me give you a fair warning. You start walking with the Lord. It's exciting in the beginning. But the excitement wears off. What are you going to do then when you're not deriving anything from it? You're doing it because you love God and it's the right thing to do. You're not deriving anything out of it. Get it? That's why you have to do it by faith, not by emotions. And that's why Jesus always said, if you're going to follow me, count the cost. It's going to cost you your life and your emotions and how you feel to walk with me. Okay? To help us grow. They must not take the place of the Holy Spirit Paul hoped to get the Galatians to focus again on Christ as the foundation of their faith. The Holy Spirit gives Christians great power. Some Christians want more than this. They want to live in a state of perpetual excitement. The tedium of everyday living leads them to conclude that something is wrong spiritually. When you get the mundaneness for this. You know, like, time to make the donuts, guys. Get the mundane or. You know when you go to work sometimes, you just don't feel like going to work. It's all same old, same old. Even when you can, even when you come to church, you start getting indifferent, saying same old, same old. Back to Bible study, same old. Then you know that you're drifting from God. When you start to get that emotion where, oh, I'm not getting anything out of this, this, that, and the other thing. No, you're not getting anything out of it because you're supposed to be giving it now, not getting it. That's why you've gained so much. You're supposed to be teaching others about this instead of keep feeding yourself. 
You're supposed to help feed others now. And what do Christians do? They sit in the pew day after day, week after week, and keep it all in, keep it all in, keep it, never look for their gift, no look how they can serve, and then they get bored. Because they're not using what God's given them. So if you ever find yourself in a state of that boredom or what, you know, the mundane, you know you're in a bad spiritual condition. You're not living by faith. You're living by feelings and emotions and flesh. That's just a, a good barometer. Because then you start to get indifferent. Then you start walking away. Often, the Holy Spirit's greatest work is teaching us to persist, to keep on doing what is right, even when it no longer seems interesting or exciting. The Galatians quickly turned from Paul's good news to the teachings of the newest teachers in town. What they needed was the Holy Spirit's gift of persistence. If the Christian life seems ordinary, you may need the Spirit to steer you up. Every day offers a challenge to live for Christ. There's no way you should get stagnant. Every day offers a challenge. Okay, go to verse 6 now. Is everybody with me so far here? This is a great book. That's why I know why God brought us here today. Because all of us, you know, you get weary. You get stagnant. So get off your seat. Get up now. Help somebody. Do something for Jesus. Do something because you love him, not because you have to. In the same way, verse 6, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Was Abraham perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. Nobody in the Bible was perfect. But God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Even God called Lot a righteous person. And you've seen some of the things he did. And David was a man after God's own heart. And we know the things that he did. So we have to understand, we still have a heart for God, but our sin nature gets in the way sometimes. We have to give ourselves the liberty to grow and accept that. And then we have to give what? Other people the liberty to grow. Stop beating people up. Because all of us need to, room to grow. Okay, amen for this? We have to understand, we're all a work in progress. And all of us are sick. We have things wrong with us. We're in a hospital for healing people. We're sick. There's something wrong with us. Our thinking is wrong. That's why God gives us the word of God, to get our thinking right. Okay, look at verse 7. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. You see it? What more? Verse 8. The scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. And what's he quoting there? Genesis 12, 3, 18, 18, and 22, 18. Look at verse 9. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Not because there was anything good in us. See it? Okay. Let me expand on verses 6 to 9. The main argument to the Judaizers was that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to become Christians. That's what, the, that's what some churches do with religion, right? You have to become a member of our church before you, before you, or you're going to get baptized before you can become a Christian. And that's not biblical, you see? They put that man-made rule on them. The main argument was the Gentiles had become Jews. Paul exposed the flaw in his argument by showing that real children of Abraham are those who have faith, not those who keep the law. 
Abraham himself was saved by his faith in Genesis 15, verse 6. All believers in every age and from every nation share Abraham's blessing. This is a comforting promise to us, a great heritage for us, and a solid foundation for living. Amen. Knowing that we share in all the promises of the Bible because of our faith gives us great comfort if you believe that. If you believe that because you have to perform, then you're never going to have that assurance and that peace. Look at verse 10. This is, this, is, this is exactly what happens to us. But those who depend on the law are doing things the right way by the law to make them right with God are under his curse. You see what it's saying here? When you try to follow the commandments and do things outwardly, you get nothing but torment and frustration. That's the curse. There's no peace in that. Because when you try to do it that way, you put them demands on other people too, or you're going to follow them. You're going to do the way I do it. It's under, you're under a curse. Look what it says. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Deuteronomy 27, 26. So what's he saying? He's saying if you want to obey the commandments, you have to get them all right. Fail in one point and you're guilty of them all. So some of us can obey some of them, but none of us can obey all of them. That's the problem. That's why we need Jesus, amen? Okay, in verse 10, Paul quoted Deuteronomy 27, 26 to prove that contrary to what the Judaizers claimed, the law cannot justify and save, it can only condemn. Breaking even one commandment brings a person under condemnation, like I just said. And because everyone has broken the commandments, everyone stands condemned. The law can do nothing to reverse the condemnation. Romans 3, 20 to 24, okay? You can't make up for it. But Christ took the curse of the Lord upon himself when he hung on the cross. He did this so we wouldn't have to bear our own punishment. How many of us still beat ourselves up when we sin? He did that so we didn't have to anymore. You see? He went to the cross to die for us so we didn't have to beat ourselves up because we're not perfect anymore. And we still do it. We don't believe this. The only condition is that we accept Christ's death on our behalf as the means to be saved, like it tells us in Colossians 1, verse 20 to 23. Okay, go to verse 11 with me now. So it is clear. Is it clear now? Let me ask you this. Is it clear what we're talking about? Is it clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law? That has to become clear to a believer because then you won't keep beating yourself up anymore. It has to become clear. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So it's our faith in what the Bible tells us gives us life. What's life? Life is the promised land. Peace of mind. Peace of heart. Stability in everything no matter what's going on. Joy. Peace. All the fruits of the spirit. Transformed by the word of God. Renewing of our mind where you're patient, you're kind, all not angry and bitter, but full of love and kindness. That's beautiful. Don't, don't we all want that? But we can't earn it. That's the problem. We get it by believing it. The people got kept, got kept out of the promised land. What was it? The only thing that kept them out of there was unbelief. God gave them the power to get in, just like he gives us the power to have it. It's unbelief. It's, it's all right to say that because 
Remember when Jesus, oh, I want to believe, help me overcome my unbelief, right? The guy said to Jesus, how many of us fall into states of unbelief when our emotions take over? He said, this can't be happening. I don't feel like I'm saved. Being saved is not a feeling. Being saved is a fact. Thank God for that. He wants to get us, see, spiritual growth is not running by emotions, but by running by faith. That's spiritual growth. That's all really it is. So it is clear, look at verse 11, that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And he's quoting there Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Okay? Now in verse 11, trying to be right with God by our own effort doesn't work. Can I get an amen for that? Trying to be right with God by our own effort does not work. Good intentions such as I'll do better next time or I'll never do that again usually end in failure. I know in my own life a lot of times when I got in trouble and I was like this, I promised, Lord, I'll never do it again. Just get me out of this. And guess what? The next day I was back at it again. It was just to get me out of it. So I, I understand what they're saying there. Am I the only one? Okay. How many of us got, got in a pickle and just said, God, if you, please, just get me out of it this time. Please, and I'll be good forever. I promise I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And God's laughing saying, no, you won't. <laughs> How do I know this? Because I did it. <laughs> Trying to be right with God by uh, doesn't work. Good intentions, such I'll do better next time, or I'll never do it again. Usually end in failure. Can I get any amen for that? Paul points to Habakkuk's declaration in Habakkuk 2.4 that by trusting God, believed in his provision for our sins, and living each day in his power, we can break this cycle of failure. That's how we, get, that's how we overcome, by believing it. Not by doing it, by believing it. Okay, in verse 12. This way of faith, is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying a law that a person has life. That's Leviticus 18.5. Look at verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21.23. Verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise. Or some manuscripts read the blessing of the Holy Spirit through faith. Verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Hey, what's that? We're going to get an example from everyday life and it's right in the Bible. You may have to go to Bible college to get it. From everyday life, just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child, or Greek, his seed, also. Right? See, and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. He's going to explain it now. 
The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. Okay? In verse 17, in the same way that we claim Jesus' death is God's provision for our salvation, Abraham believed in God and his promises, although they would not be made fully evident until centuries later on the cross. God promised, and Abraham answered in faith, even during the trial of God, asking him to sacrifice his son. This is the heart of Christian faith. God promises to save us when we trust in Christ and take him at his word, just as Abraham did. Now, we know in greater detail how God worked out his plan of grace in Christ. We have much less excuse for our unbelief. He believed God, right? He, his only son, how long did he wait for Isaac? And God said, I want you to put him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. And guess what? He went to do it. And his, and his, and his wife knew it. She says, no, no, don't do it. And he says, no. And then, remember, Isaac said, Father, there's no sacrifice. And he said, God will provide the sacrifice. And he went to plunge him, and the angel stopped him right then and there, and there was what? A lamb in the thicket over there that got him and sacrificed him. That proved his faith in God and believed him. What is it, what is it trying to say? saying, are you willing to die for God? Do you have enough faith in him to die for him? That's what he's saying. Do you have enough faith to die to your flesh and live for him? Same idea. Now look what it says. 18. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Then why was the law given? Let's, let's, okay, then why did God give us the commandments? Why did he give us the law? Beyond the commandments, too. Listen, God was telling us why. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law to angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God who is one did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Okay, in verse 20, when God gave his promise to Abraham, he did it by himself alone without angels or Moses as mediators. Although it is not mentioned in Exodus, Jews believe that the Ten Commandments have been given to Moses by angel. Angel. Stephen referred to this in his speech in Acts 7, 38 and 53. Okay, Paul was showing the superior, superiority of salvation and growth by faith over trying to be saved by keeping the Jewish laws. Christ is the best and only way given by God for us to come to him. Like it tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Right? He's the mediator between God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus. Right? Now in verse 21. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. How about a big amen for that? But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. Now, 
How many of us can say that we're not prisoners of sin? We're trapped by sin. It's in our mortal bodies. That's why we can't get rid of it. It's in us. Paul said, it's sin living in me that does it. We, has there ever come a time in your life when you don't, all of a sudden you just do something that's wrong? You snap at somebody, you get angry with somebody. I don't, you're not even controlling it. It just controls you. You just did something sinful that was beyond your control because it, it lives in you. It controls you at times. Can I get any of that for this? We're slaves to sin. Paul said it. Honestly, there's some days when you wake up and you can't even help yourself. You just do things that are sinful. You complain, you gripe, you, 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 you curse, you do whatever it is, and you can't even control it. It just comes out naturally for us. That's why it's not natural to do right. We have to be taught to do right. It's natural for us to do wrong. That's why. But the scriptures declare that we're all prisoned of sin. Now look what it says. So we receive God's promise of freedom from our sin nature only by believing in Jesus Christ, not by doing anything good. Okay? In verse 21 and 22, before faith in Christ delivered us, we were imprisoned by sin, beaten down by past mistakes, and choked by desires that we knew were wrong. God knew we were, sin we were sin's prisoners, but he provided a way of escape, faith in Jesus Christ. Without Christ, everyone is held in sin's grasp. You know the world, right? And only those who place their faith in Christ ever get out of it. Remember? He says the road is narrow and it's difficult and only a few ever find it. That's because the only way you're going to do it is by faith and believing it. And what? Repentance and doing it. Look what it says. In Christ ever to get out of it. Look to Christ. He is reaching out to set you free Right now. How about a big amen for that? See, the, the whole thing that sets us free is understanding this concept that you can't do it in your flesh. That Jesus already did it. All that you need has already been done. That you no longer have to follow the desires of your flesh if you choose not to. Can I get amen for this? That's why we have to renew our mind with God's word so that it'll finally, certainly push it out of there and we can live a righteous life after that. But don't you believe in faith and all these things. So give yourself a break. Stop trying to do it in the flesh. And do it by faith. Amen. Alright we're going to stop there tonight. Thank you for letting me share that. We're going to close. Drew you want to come up and close us? And then we're going to. We'll continue in verse 23. When we get back together again. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father Lord. Thank you for this message. Thank you for encouraging us Lord. To keep going Lord. And Lord I just pray that we have patience with patience with ourselves lord and lord thank you for having patience with us every day lord and walking with us lord we just thank you for the holy spirit lord that guides us lord and comforts us and directs us lord and lord let us always keep our eyes focused on you lord so we can handle this walk yes lord and i just pray all this in your son's precious name jesus amen amen, amen. all right i'm gonna stand close with a song